Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome to Ghost. Tell me what you want to ask me about for your reading today. Okay. For my reading today, I'd like to know about how to return to my body for as long as I've uh, been aware of having a body. I have not been comfortable in it. And I've been particularly recently struggling to ground myself or to return to my own skin after being stressed out by events in the outside world or just after a busy day. When I try to come back to myself, it feels unsafe or just impossible (laughs) and I just would prefer to hang out in the clouds or not really I guess coming back to my body so I'm wondering is it because of something in my chart or is it because of uh, some gender dysphoria related stuff since I am trans but I would like to know what ways I can work on it that feel more possible than the ways I used to work on it which was with um, mindfulness and breathing but I just feel like they took a very general approach uh, Mm. and didn't consider things for me I think that's a good question so I have context questions to to throw at you which the Mm -hmm. first one is is this something you've experienced chronically has it started recently or has it gotten worse or different recently I think it's a long-term thing As a child, I had to really censor myself all the time. I have a parent who has autism, but was only diagnosed in their 50s uh, Mm. and was just extremely like low tolerance of whatever children need to do to be alive and (laughs) run around and have fun. And so I think I've always seen myself from this weird outer perspective instead of really knowing with the freedom of a child of like, hey, I'm me, that's cool. I think the recent changes now that I've been on hormones for a few years and people are sort of accepting me as a gender that I'm comfortable with, that's shifted into a feeling of like, I have everything I wanted mostly, but why doesn't it feel good yet? That makes me so impatient. Like my impatience and frustration with it has gotten worse because I used to just be able to say, oh, well, it is what it is. And now it's like, well, it sucks. I want to change it. Yeah. Mm. Let me just Mm -hmm. very briefly here check the exact dates of this Neptune transit. Yeah. Oh, that would explain a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it will. It will in moments. Indeed, this Neptune transit began for you in April of this year. So I imagine that things got worse this spring. I had a panic attack. Yeah. I'm so sorry. And was it your first panic attack? Well, it was a really big one after about five or six years of not having them. Mm. And I could very clearly understand five or six years ago why I had them. But this year I was like, really? Now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> why? Yeah. So, okay, we're going to we're going to go into this. I guess my last question is, I'm assuming you're taking tea. Is that correct? Yes. And is this comfortable for you to talk about? Yeah, I'm pretty happy talking about it. Okay. My question for you is, have you noticed any kind of connection between whatever dose you're on of tea and your anxiety level? Yeah, I would say my body's anxiety that I can't relate to like a thought anxiety has changed uh since starting tea I think it was most noticeable a few years ago like 2018-ish right at the start of taking it and that sort of meant for me that I needed to be more active or else I wouldn't sleep well 
uh, or I just get this like weird body tension and then I immediately think like, oh, I must be anxious about something and then realize like, actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's just my muscles all like ready to go. I haven't changed my doses much. I don't see an endocrinologist regularly, so it could be something to look at, but I haven't noticed any like instability around it. Like my hormones seem to be pretty happy, <laughs> like right. typical. So, you know, I'll tell you why I asked. One of the things in your chart is this Venus square to Pluto, right? And you've got Pluto in the first house. And so it gives you this hypersensitivity to hormonal shifts. And because, as we named, you are going through a Neptune transit to Mars, uh, you know, one of the two planets I would look to for your hormones, Venus being the other, I want to just kind of bookmark and, and we don't need to have a big conversation, but it's something for you to think about and bring to your doctors. Uh, mm -hmm. If your sensitivity to whatever hormones you're taking has shifted because Neptune makes us hypersensitive. So, you know, you might be able to tolerate something at a certain amount regularly and then Neptune comes and it, it makes you so much more sensitive. So you might not need it. So, you know, all people of all genders, whether they're on any kind of like HRT or not, have hormonal fluctuations. And I'm always of the mind that tracking our anxiety in kind of deference to our hormones is a good self-awareness, self-care thing. So I just want to kind of bookmark that. Um, it's so funny when you said oversensitivity, I was eating a chicken nugget recently and I complained to my flatmate, like they cooked this wrong. The texture's all different. They messed it up. And she, she ate one and she was like, these are fine, Hayden. What do you mean? Like, right. you must just be really sensitive right now. <laughs> you are really sensitive. Yeah. And it's two years. Like you're at the beginning of this two year period. So if your life was just McNuggets, you'd be fine, you know, but it's, <laughs> it's so much more than that. And unfortunately, when you go through a Neptune square to Mars, it is a transit that triggers visceral anxiety. So body-based anxiety. So really? we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. And I want to stay with your birth chart for a moment, which by the way, we didn't share your birth information. You were born October 11th, 1999, 7.23 AM in Pretoria, South Africa. So the first thing I want to say is you have got your sun in the 12th house in Libra, as well as your moon Mercury conjunction in Scorpio. And all of these things give you uh, heightened sensitivities in general. Folks who have sun or Mars in the 12th house often experience disconnect from the body. And it comes from this feeling of not being safe in the body. This feeling of not being safe in the body generally comes from inherited issues. So that means from a parent or from some sort of prenatal conditions, as opposed to exclusively from your own lived experience. So in other words, it starts really young. I believe um, that. Yeah. There's so much we could say about your parents. But <laughs> again, we're going to like hold them off for just a moment and stay with you. Let me have you say your full name out loud. Okay. Uh, Hayden. That's not your full name. Oh, oh, my your name used to be. Hold on, let me just look at that. But I have another last name. Is my That's name. what I was looking for. That's, there's a lot on that side of the family. There's, there's a, is it your yeah. mom's side? <laughs> it's my mom's side. Of the okay. Family. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's a lot. We, going we can talk about there. that stuff. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. Okay. And does your mom have an anxiety disorder? My mom 
is deceased. Um, oh, I'm sorry. She uh, ended her life when I was two weeks old. Oh, I'm so sorry. But when she was alive, she had she was diagnosed with bipolar, but she was about 19. So it's so hard to know in today's mental health system what she would have. Absolutely. But I'm sure she wasn't very comfortable with her mental health. I mean, there's a lot of chaos that I pick up on immediately. She was a chaotic and, person hold on. and also a fun person. I will say that to her credit. My dad says she was just the most fun-loving, spontaneous. She was a bright lucky. light. She was a really, yeah. really bright light. I, I see that. And and this feeling of like not being able to access or not, it's not about not being able to access your body because you are. It's that you have a lot inside of you that says, don't do it. It isn't safe. And so it can feel like moving through molasses to take the steps to access the yeah. body. I guess a lot of it's just this stereotypical thing of, I don't want to repeat these patterns in my family because mm. it's not just my mom, like her dad ended his life as well. And mm. both of them were these people who had these huge emotions and would just run with it. They were just like not self-censored. So I think that side of me that analytical side which I kind of guess associate more with my dad is very strong because I'm like I've seen the damage this stuff can do like if you just do whatever you want all the time um someone's gonna get hurt yeah well yes dad also Saturn opposite the ascendant you know Saturn in the sixth house opposite the ascendant it gives you this sense of I am responsible to other people I am responsible to myself. What do I need to do day to day to manage my responsibilities to others? It gives you this very Saturnian, methodical kind of set of values. But in your birth chart, you were of the generation that has a Saturn Uranus square, which you've heard me talk about on the podcast by transit. You've got it in your birth chart. And so you can go about being I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to be responsible. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to like chase waterfalls. And then that Uranus is like, but is that stupid? Is that a waste of my time? I don't know. Like maybe I should chase a couple waterfalls, not jump in, but just chase them. So you chase the waterfalls and then you get to the waterfalls and then you're like, wait a minute, this is risky business. I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And so there's this internal Literally, struggle. not even met metaphorically. Literally, I was kayaking, whitewater rafting. We got to a waterfall. Someone compacted their spine. And I was like, I don't want my spine compacted. I'm getting oh out of here. Like, goodbye. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God. This is literal. It's not just a metaphor. This is so literal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a difficult thing. And it is, in many ways, very psychological. But it adds to this feeling that you have of, I cannot consistently trust myself. And so I don't want to tap in all the way because I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't want to find something that I want to find. It's like a survival mechanism that's very effective, but actually doesn't do more than help you survive. And what I'm really kind of hearing in this is you want to do more than survive. You want to thrive. I'm privileged. I'm in a position where I, I can do that now yes yeah yeah and it's it's not just about privilege i think it's a birthright for us i mean we live in an unjust world uh mm. deeply 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 obviously but i think it's our birthright to thrive and i, and I just want to name that i mean the world doesn't let that happen so the human condition is fucked up and very problematic obviously but i don't think any of us has to do anything special or be anything special to thrive to deserve that and and i do want to say that 
to your Saturn, to your Chiron stuff, to your 12th house, because you have a south node conjunction to Neptune. And it's also conjoined to Uranus. And this placement can give you kind of a puritanical sense of who deserves what, whether or not you deserve to thrive because you've got that North Node in Leah, whether or not you deserve to be seen, whether or not you deserve to be successful. Your North Node in Leo is conjoined to your Midheaven. And so, you know, my experience with this placement is that people, especially in youth, which I think one's 20s are one's youth, really struggle with like, how do I take my place in the world? And do I deserve to take my place in the world? Yeah, it's super real. And I've been battling it even since the pandemic started when I kind of quit my, uh, I'll call it a customer service job, even though it was like a really scary police call center job. When I quit that job, because I was like, I don't want to be on this side of history. I'm tired. Like I need to do something else. Good for you. And also, <laughs> the job part isn't the question for me as much in, in this conversation in this moment. But what it is, is do I deserve to live the life I want? Can I live life in a way that reflects who I actually am? And, <laughs> right. That's scary. Deep questions. And the answers to this are not a static point. It's not like you take a walk down a healing journey path and then you arrive at a bench and you're like, oh, this is comfy. I'm just going to camp out here. It's like this is something that you're going to be journeying to and from and around throughout the course of life because all of us do. And also because of the way that your chart is written, the kind of struggle you're having in general, but in particular right now is on time, right? Like it's, it's actually as it's meant to be. And there's a great gift in it because this unease that you're having about even approaching embodiment it was always there and it's come to the surface so that you can cope, right? Or not. Yeah. I think it's such a blessing. Like I can tell you over the last four or five years, there's been, it feels like stacks of bricks at one at a time, like lifted off my shoulders mm. and I'm ready for that again. And I am an optimist and I'm so happy that I can say, you know, I have a lot of hope about this, but I also know that it's terrifying. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting. You know, as I'm talking to you, you seem so you do seem really optimistic and positive, but what I see when I'm looking at your anxiety, which makes you not want to be in your body or not know how to be in your body, is almost like this curling up and, and away from yourself. It's almost like going into a fetal position, but it almost reminds me more of like a leaf exposed to fire, you know, like a real yeah. curling up. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's been it. I've, really got the strong messaging of like you are very intense and you will not be reliably doing that without some kind of disaster like it just seems like people were scared of me or what I represented because no one else in the family was talking about like intense things or just being emotional after we immigrated and yeah I operate on this really perfectionistic as you said almost puritanical thing of I just want to do everything right but I know that doing everything right is such a cold and dead like Excel spreadsheet way to live. And I'm not that kind of person. So I have to sort of turn away from myself, as you say, but I'm not someone you can turn away from. <laughs> like if you're in the right. room with me, you're going to notice me. Like I'm there. <laughs> like I'm right. the fire. You'll feel it's it. <laughs> Pluto in the first house, what you're describing, I mean, and it's a Chiron conjunction to your Pluto, but this placement is 
people notice you when you're in a room. You can be very provocative for better or for worse, depending on the room, depending on the moment. And mm. oftentimes people who have this placement, when you do have a parent uh, with a history of mental illness, there becomes this kind of like scapegoating that can happen at you where oh, people, yeah, people project that kind of stuff onto you and, and it gives you a lot of fear. But this kind of turning away, I think part of why I'm seeing this metaphor of it being like a leaf exposed to fire is because you go brittle. You don't just go rigid, you go brittle. There's no flexibility. There's no kind of adaptability in that state, which is part of why, you know, so many of the things that like might technically work for a lot of people and even for you at times don't work when you get to that activated state of turning away from yourself because you're going to a state motivated by survival and self-protection, right? But you're going to a state of such rigidity inside that any amount of movement feels like it'll break you apart mm -hmm. my advice and of course i'm not a psychologist we love doctors all of this stuff should be cross-referenced and brought to a shrink if you have one do you have a shrink <laughs> not right now Sometimes I have had one. It's like when I can afford it. Uh, and then the free ones are okay. Like I've definitely done a lot of therapy, but uh, at the moment I was thinking, darn, should I go back? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I would say yes. Having somebody once a week that is just holding a container to listen to you process through what you're going through and who can every once in a while being like, you said the opposite thing last week or, huh, two months ago you were in this place. This is an improvement. Like somebody who can just do that for you that's mm -hmm. the kind of therapy I think would be really helpful right now because you're sorting through so much. It would be great to have an hour a week where you're just like not worried about taking up too much space, where you're not worried about overwhelming someone. I have a counselor, like a chaplain at the university. Um, I see her like Wednesdays and I feel like she's kind of a person who does that for me uh, without like going, I guess, into the nitty gritty psychological stuff. But I think sometimes it is just the little things for me. Like, oh, I feel so tired today. Help. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. this is a person who actually does hold space and help for that. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Coming back to, okay, I had a really good bit of advice and now, of course, I blanked on it. Hold on for a second. Let me come back to what I was seeing. Oh, okay. So first of all, I want to acknowledge this is something that happens to you. What's happening to me right now is what happens to you. You start to figure something out and then your anxiety boops you in a different direction and then you lose track. And yeah. it's a fancy way of your system. It's very effective. It's a very yeah, we're reverse card. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It just throws you off the damn track. And, yeah. and it, it makes you feel better in a very shallow way. It makes you feel better, but there's no progress being achieved. And so, you know, it would take just the slightest thing to set off your anxiety again in five seconds, right? Or five hours or whatever it is. You know what it was? I can track it. Yeah. When you said I need therapy. <laughs> Maybe you didn't say that, but no, but but yeah, no, I yeah. Said, therapy would be I think it was that made right me really anxious. Then. It was, it, did it make you anxious? Made me anxious. I'm so sorry. The last therapist I had, which I will, you know, I'll try not to shade her, but she basically said something to me middle of last year, like, oh, there's no way you're going to get through this degree. Like your mental health <gasps> is such a mess and you're probably going to need inpatient care and all this other stuff. And it was at a time where I was feeling pretty like, good about myself too. And it was just such a shock hearing all this stuff from her. And like, she even had some horrible, like gender essentialist takes about like, oh, dysphoria. No. Like there was all sorts of mess going on. So I guess I my last experience of therapy was like, this person thinks I'm off the charts and I'm just a ticking time bomb. And <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> well, I, I don't want to have that experience again, but obviously I know that's not what you mean, but it's just what it made me think of. And I think that's very real and is very easy for me to forget that I live in the very queer Bay Area, very Ugh. progressive Bay Area. And so it is easy for me to forget how, you know, my experience of therapy and my access to therapists is not anywhere close to universal, right? In any country. So that's very real. And part of all of this, this whole topic that you and I are talking about is about you granting yourself the authority of discretion over your own fucking life. And so yeah. part of what I hope for you is that if I say 10 things over the course of this reading, and five of them seem like, yeah, technically good ideas, but not for you, that you say no to those five things. And I don't just mean this about me. I mean this in general, giving yourself the permission to have discretion, to have disagreement with people you respect, ideas that you think are technically good, is an important part of essentially staying connected to yourself. Because part of that anxiety response is just that, you know, I suggested something that you're like, no. Oh, and that's real. But then part of it is, no shit, do I have to go back? And that yeah, do I have yeah. to, that's the thing I'm speaking to right now. The answer is no, you don't fucking have to do anything, right? <laughs> Un until and unless it feels from within, like you need it or people you really trust are like, I'm concerned, you know, please do this thing to take care of yourself. You want to listen to that. And I'm really sorry you had that experience with that shrink. It sucks. Um, I would come back to this moon mercury conjunction in the 12th house in scorpio and jupiter is opposite your moon the thing about this placement is that your mode of processing your emotions and your thoughts is like a waterfall it just pours right out of you fast and you have a tendency to want to talk about everything all at once and to connect everything thanks jupiter and so everything everything that is partially just your nature and partially a fancy way of evading and avoiding tapping into the emotions and tapping into the body, right? Finding a therapeutic practice that brings you back to your body, I think will be very effective because you're, you're in terms of processing things analytically, you're good. You're fine. Like you actually know how to do that on your own. It would be helpful to have someone to help you because life. But the thing that happens is you process yourself out of your body. You process yourself out of your feelings. And that works at cross purposes of the whole reason why you're fucking processing to begin with, right? So <laughs> that said, okay, you say you feel unsafe. I'm, I'm pulling back and this is kind of where I was going when I referenced therapy, right? You say you feel unsafe tapping into your body. I want to ask you, how do you know you feel unsafe? Well, I can't predict what I'm going to do next or like, okay. Yeah. So that's or like a how thought. it's going to be. You describe the thought. How, do <laughs> how does it feel? How does it feel? It feels like my body's a portal to the past and like to pain. And I'm getting sucked into a portal that's going to take me somewhere I don't want to go. Yeah. Okay. Instead of actually my home address. Like in, okay. when I'm trying to walk home, I'm just sucked into this like trauma portal. Okay. <laughs> that's how it feels. You feel like you're going to be sucked into a trauma portal. Is there any particular part of your body that it tends to be located, that feeling, that awareness? 
it's almost like I recently went skydiving like 18,500 feet in the <laughs> sky and bonkers. the top half of my body went totally numb and I get that totally numb feeling just thinking about it now that mm. portal feeling it's just like I'm faced with something I cannot handle this if anything goes wrong there's nothing I can do that's the feeling okay so when you were so when you were skydiving it was like the portal feeling but like times 700 because you were actually that, in mortal danger danger that was just in the plane once i was out of the plane i was fine okay it was just a tiny crappy little plane that we were in that i was like this plane's gonna crash i just want to get out of it as soon as possible and that's how i feel about my body too okay <laughs> like, this, this body is not headed anywhere good i just want to be a cloud <laughs> okay yeah. 12th house bear with me now <laughs> bear with me so you feel it primarily in the top half of your body yeah there's kind of like a numbness under my knees as well like just weak yeah. okay numbness under your knees and you feel a numbness in your trunk it sounds like neck to neck to hips yeah yeah the right? collarbone collarbones it starts it's like a weird like it's pressure but it's not I don't know it's hard okay and does it tend to focus itself around your bones yeah okay so let's do this first things first Saturn governs bones so now we know that there's like a very strong Saturnian principle to the way you're experiencing this kind of like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this feel, mm -hmm. right? And that tells me that your Saturn is what you have been relying on to keep you safe and in this world. And Saturn also governs the knees. When we have knee issues related to Saturn, very generally speaking, it has to do with feeling like you're not supported or you can't support yourself, uh, mm -hmm. either or both. So there's this fear of like losing yourself within the experience you're having and not feeling confident in your own ability to take care of yourself or hold yourself yeah. up. So I'm going to give you, you go woo, right? Like I can give you some, All the way, some woo shit. All the time. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. Let's do this. So one thing I'm going to have you do as a practice I would say do it once a week for a couple weeks. And if it feels good or if you're like, I did it once this week, but I want to do it again right now, just fucking do it. But set a really modest goal, one that you can easily achieve and that you'll build up good feelings about yourself because Saturn really needs to feel like I'm a good boy. Like that's just Saturn, right? So we want to like support your Saturn. And this is what you're going to do. You're just going to like put your feet on the floor. If you can get your butt outside, fabulous. Uh, I like to say my full name three times out loud. I'm a fan of saying all the names, but you should say all the names that feel right to you as a way to call your energy into your body. That's why we say the name three times out loud to call your energy back into the body or into your auric field. So maybe not your physical body, but your energy body. Okay. Right. At least it's in the realm. <laughs> in the realm. Just in the realm. Right. If, if you don't want to pull it all the way in, if you can't pull it all the way in, it's fine. And then what you're going to do is acknowledge your bones. Talk to your bones. Be like, hey, hey, bitches. Maybe you won't call your bones bitches, but like you're a Libra. You're not a Capricorn. Okay. My but skeleton like, that's waiting to escape. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Just, just acknowledge it. Like try to notice your bones and say hello to them. And if you notice anxiety comes up, because I'm noticing some anxieties coming up right now. Am I, am I picking up on that correctly? Yeah. I mean, I guess even when you said it, like, oh, your name's going to call the energy back to your body. My whole body's like, no, don't do that. Like okay, cool. Okay, cool. Okay. So let me, let's tweak that then. Let's, let's tweak that then. Let's call that like 
if that works out for you to do later, it could, great. It could happen sometime. Yeah, it's yeah. on the it's on the list of things you could do theoretically when you want to. So, okay, this is what I'm hearing. Tell me if it resonates. We're gonna refer to your meat suit as a ship, and okay. you are the captain of the ship. It is mm -hmm. under your stewardship. You are the steward of the meat suit. So mm -hmm. it so it's a little bit of separation still. Do you like being on the water? Do you like boats? Yeah, I love it. I love okay. water. Okay, that's why, yeah. seeing, that's why I'm seeing boats. Okay, so I would say you're going to do all the same things. You're going to sit down. You're going to you know put your feet on the ground, get your butt outside if you can. And then just visualize like, okay, I am going into stewardship mode. You're not calling in your names. You're not coming into your body. You're just like, I am the captain. You can be the pirate captain, whatever feels easy. And spaceship. You, exactly. <laughs> spaceship. Whatever is easy. And that you're into you're in stewardship mode. So now you're speaking to Saturn more specifically, this one part of your chart, because Saturn in your chart is very comfortable stewarding things, taking care of things, uh, kind of doing the right thing, quote unquote. So you're going into stewardship mode, and then you're acknowledging the bones that are connected to your energy. Mm -hmm. So your physical body lives within your energy body or your soul. The only reason why we have to tend to our physical body, outside of the fact that here we are in physical bodies, is because it is a piece of the soul. So I'm giving you this kind of framework because it might make it a little easier to be like, I'm going to tap into my bones. I'm going to acknowledge them and say, hey, buddy, that's the whole exercise. It's a hey, buddy. Greeting. <laughs> Greetings. Welcome. Take me to your leader. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you're the leader, so maybe don't because that's, that's maybe it's challenging for you. But it's about really tapping in, feeling the bones and acknowledging their life force and what they do to hold you up. Does that feel mm. triggering at all? That feels really good. And it feels right because I think I've been thinking a lot about like values lately. A big value for me is respect and dignity and being able to like see the respect and like power in someone or their energy and say, wow, you're doing that. Good job. Like, <laughs> yes, do that for your body. Do that for yeah. your bones. I think it's too big of an ask to start with your whole body. We're starting with the bones because that's the place that gets activated when you feel like you're being sucked through a shit portal. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so if I may call it that. And so yeah. the work is acknowledging that your bones are constantly working to hold you up very successfully and that you actually like your bones. Your bones actually like you. And so again, it's a hey buddy. Once a week, a hey buddy. And this is a form of starting to build a relationship to your system. We're just adding to that relationship. We're just adding. A question yes. about that. Once I've done that, which could take, I don't know how long, but to end it off so that I'm not just chopping chopping myself short and say, yeah. okay, fine, I did it. I'm running away. Is there a way to ease out of that and yeah. end that space? Yeah, that's a great question. And in terms of length, it could take you 90 seconds and you can do it for an hour. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. I mean, it matters uh, because you want to tap in. But if it feels like a, a daunting task, set aside five minutes max. It doesn't have to be um, very long. And for you, you know, you've got a lot of water in your chart. You got, you know, some Taurus stuff. You might really need to like sink into it and like really allow yourself to sink. And that might take more time. There's no value judgment is what I'm trying to say. You just got to kind mm -hmm. of flow with it. Monday of this week, it might happen quick. Monday of next week, it might happen slow. Doesn't matter. 
hold on. Let me just see what, what your system is telling me. Okay. Tell me how this feels. When you realize you're about done, would you feel comfortable saying to your bones? So if it's hard for you to conceptualize your bones in general, focus on just your collarbone or just your kneecaps or something, something that gets easily activated. So, you know, they're there, whichever is easier. So again, I want you to notice, I'm telling you to go with ease, right? Mm -hmm. To challenge your survival mechanisms, we have to find an ease placement. So otherwise it's too hard because our survival mechanisms are literally there to help us survive. So when we try to push on our survival mechanisms, we activate them. That's not what we're mm -hmm. doing here, right? Mm -hmm. Ask your bones, hey, do you need anything? Just like if you're getting off the phone with a friend. Any, do you need anything from me right now? And probably if you're you know, easily triggered into feeling disassociated, you'll hear nothing or you'll just be like, I don't know. And that's okay. I need, I need everything. Yes. <laughs> it's usually the answer. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's stay with that. Because if you and I were just like browing down on the phone and uh, it was time to get off the phone and you were asking me, Hey, do you need any, anything? And I said, I only need everything. What would you say to me? Be like, Oh, that's, that's rough. You sound overwhelmed. Like what, what do you, what do you mostly need? <laughs> so that's what you're going to do with yourself. Okay. You're really good at being an accountable friend. So yeah. be an accountable friend to yourself or be an accountable friend to the meat suit that you are the steward of. That's the move. And if your system says, I don't know what I need, I just know that I have a million needs, just validate your system. Be like, okay, that's, that's real. And I would personally recommend ending with a bye buddy. Like call your yeah. body, call your bones friend in whatever way is comfortable for you. And yeah. not every time you do it, does it need to be cathartic or dramatic or like, oh, I'm healing, you know? You know, you know, I'll try to make it dramatic. Oh I, do. oh, I do. Oh, I do. Which is why I'm noting, like, sometimes it can be. But what the ideal is, is for this to become more mundane, because mm -hmm. as it becomes more mundane, you can start to add to it. You can, if you're feeling really like, this was so easy for me to do today, you can consider like, do I want to like say my name out loud in my head or like literally out loud? And if the answer your system says is no, then don't do it. And if your system is like, I don't know, try it. And if it mm -hmm. feels bad, what you want to do is then notice where it feels bad in your body. And when you notice where it feels bad in your body, notice if you've recoiled away from that part, and if you can breathe into that part with a hey buddy. Right. <laughs> like, an hey upset buddy. like an upset friend who's like crying, screaming in the corner. It's like, oi, like what's up? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you have a friend who's freaking out in the corner of a room, you don't be like, hey, let's really unpack what's going on right now. Instead, you yeah, just tell comfort me everything. them. <laughs> exactly. You just comfort them. So yeah. I want you to do that for the parts of you that get activated. This is where it's hard for your Mercury moon conjunction because your Mercury moon conjunction is like, what's wrong? How do I figure it out? What do I need to do? Problem and solve. <laughs> exactly. And also it's analyzed as a way to distance. So mm -hmm. it's not just problem solving. It's uh, analyzed to distance. So what the work is within this is to be like, okay, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. This is scary. I am in my fucked up place. Cool. That's okay. Hey, whatever. I'm just going to be kind to myself around it and not go too in the noodle about it. Because when you do, you're back in a pattern of coping that 
clearly isn't working. Otherwise, you wouldn't have written me the question, right? Yeah, I find big stories to try and loop everything into. But yep. those stories, they can never be the full truth because I don't know everything. Yeah, yeah. and they're stories. And that's, the, that's the, the tricky part about stories is they're a retelling. And retelling is different than living within. And that's what you're struggling around is how to live within instead of how to separate and understand or retell. And the good news is the ability to tell stories, understand stories, explore stories is an invaluable one. And you have that on lock. So again, we're not getting rid of these parts of you. What we're doing instead is adding in more parts so that you have a greater flexibility in your life. Because part of what I'm seeing, hold on. Do you keep an altar? Yeah, I do. Let me just make sure this looks right. Okay. I have a suggestion for your altar and it's to get a little waste bin and you're going to keep on your altar. And it's not for throwing things away, but it's for throwing things away. And what I'm trying to get at is the use of this is to acknowledge things that you're aware of that are true, that are within you or that you're coping with, but that you want to let go of, right? You right. want to release. <laughs> and it's not about actually releasing it. But it's about having a place of honor on your altar of this is something I am working towards releasing and I am externalizing it. So when you hit these places that I do see you hit sometimes, you know, many times a day where mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, God, I cannot like I just cannot. Right. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> get a piece of paper and like, you know, like fortune cookie style, like little pieces of paper and write down, you know, just sheer panic. Or I said something weird in high school to that person and now I'm panicked. I'm freaking out about it. Like, you know, I <laughs> yeah. see your Saturn. I see your Saturn. Um, Every choice I've ever made. <laughs> yeah, in, in any way, right? And and so like, okay, so you're just like attachment to this, you know, or feelings about X. Throw it right. in the waste bin. Throw it in the waste bin. Mm -hmm. And then maybe once a week. And if that feels like too frequently, do it once a month. You know, again, you want to find some sort of like ease and flow into it. Uh, sit down, maybe even on full moons, if you want to get real witchy, sit down, empty out the waste bin and look at everything you've got and see if there's any of these things that you can release. Some of these mm. things, you know, you might be like, I don't know if I can release it forever, but in this moment, I don't feel activated around it. Excellent. Black Sharpie, black it out, rip it up or burn it. If you're going to burn it, yeah. be fire safe, obviously. If it doesn't feel so charged up anymore. Yeah. If it feels yeah. like for instance, like, you know, we might get off this call and you might be like, oh, my God, I said something really weird to somebody when I was 12 years old. And it really like I feel terrible about it. it was a terrible thing to say. OK, so you're really activated about it now because your system is going shoots and ladders into stories because you're having like a vulnerability hangover. Right. Like that's a thing that you do. It looks like. OK, so you're going to write it down on a piece of paper. You're going to put it in the waste bin in a week or in a month when you like empty it out. It's probably not going to have much of a charge. Because it wasn't really about that thing. It was about this thing. It's not like you couldn't easily manufacture panic about the thing you did when you were 12. It's just that that's not really the thing. So that's the kind of thing you would like black out and then burn or rip up. That's one exercise that you can do for tracking and externalizing some of the narratives that you're running. What I think you'll find is that so many of the things that really like pop you out of your body 
are not true stories. They're not things you actually really care about. What it is. The clickbait. Is, yeah, exactly. <laughs> clickbait. Exactly. They're <laughs> clickbait. Exactly. And what's really happening is your system feels unsafe and your mind is creating a distraction so that you don't come near that unsafety. And a lot of what this is about is developing trust with yourself. Oh. <laughs> and the only way yeah. to develop trust with yourself is very slowly by proving yourself. Because what you've been doing recently is trying to bully yourself and force progress. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the thing about that is all that's doing is proving to your survival mechanisms that nothing is safe. You know, you shouldn't feel bad for bullying yourself. I mean, obviously, it's not awesome, but it's not. It's not because I want bad things for myself. No, I think it's, it's not. just like very drill sergeant like we have priorities <laughs> we yeah. cannot afford to get yeah. wrapped up in the same nonsense but I think it is like disproportionately putting some expectations on me that may be not realistic <laughs> absolutely so the astrological way of saying it is you're using Saturn to try to fix all your problems and yeah. Saturn does not fix all your problems Saturn fixes Saturn problems so mm. going in there as a drill sergeant to your moon in the 12th house or your son in the 12th house, it's never going to work. It's just never going to work. It, you know what? It'll work in times of I have come to a greater place of presence with myself and now I'm ready to invite Saturn in for support. Yes. But this is why we're starting with your bones, right? Because it's acknowledging this is a part of you. Your bones hold you up. Yay. Thank you, bones. Uh, Saturn also governs the epidermis, like the, the organ of the skin. It's all the I mean, having that... crazy skin issues. I imagine. Like huge eczema, like flare-ups and unseen proportions. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You are going through transit to your natal Saturn. You have Uranus sitting on top of Saturn. So when Uranus sits on top of Saturn, and it's again in your sixth house, so that means it's in your in your body. What happens is it can activate, again, hormones because you've got that Saturn in Taurus, but it also activates dryness in the system. And so you should be drinking buckets of water. Anything that is drying to your system is not going to be your buddy, basically, in this period of your life. And what because Uranus is sitting on top of your needle Saturn, it's also triggering your Saturn-Uranus square. And so oh, I this, feel it. <laughs> this thing of like everything or nothing, uh, do the compromise completely or be completely free. It's really activated. And so when we come back, hold on, let me come right back into your system. I see. Okay. When we come back to this idea of not using Saturn to fix all of your problems, what we are talking about is giving yourself permission to be a 12th house person. You've got the sun and moon in the 12th house. <laughs> you're, you're not meant to be, uh, you know, hyper reality person 100% of the time. There are parts of your nature that are like that. And there are times when that's important. And then there are times when it is good to live on a cloud for you. It is healthy and it is self-appropriate to la-di-da a little bit. You know what I mean? And I know that Saturn is like, that's wrong. And your Venus and Virgo is like, is that right? But the answer is actually, yeah, that works for you as long as it's not interrupting something that is necessary for your wellness or for your obligations that are, you know, the things you need to get along in the world with people. And I see that sometimes it, it does. It like bleeds out of what's like healthy and good for you. But a lot of the times you are maybe 
demonizing or pathologizing something that's just your nature like yeah that sounds like me yeah <laughs> i've yeah. been told that even recently someone told me they were like but that's a developmental thing hated like you're not gonna do that or be that forever like <laughs> this is very real and again this thing about saturn transits because again saturn's been squaring your natal saturn is whenever we go through saturn transits at any age we feel like we're running out of time we feel oh, like yeah. we have to fix this if we don't fix this then that means something's wrong and the cool thing about Saturn transits, which is also the annoying thing about Saturn transits, is every seven years you get this massive kind of Saturnian crisis reset. And within that seven-year cycle, you have a lot of opportunity, not motivated by crisis, to make adjustments and changes. And yeah. the Saturn square to Saturn is like technically over. You're going to have like a little taste test of it still this year, but it's mainly over. And so now you're in this place where Nothing's going to force you to work on your bones, on your like inner drill sergeant. But if you do it, the next uh, major Saturn transit is going to be so much easier for you, like so much easier for you. Yeah. So it's really worth it. The thing about having moon, sun and Mercury in the 12th house is that it is important to sometimes and by sometimes I mean at least once a day, stare at a tree, uh, hug a wall, like literally like do nothing uh, from a kind of capitalistic perspective at least one thing i'm good at doing nothing. okay yeah okay good that's actually <laughs> but really the problem important. is i'm not so great at, at thinking nothing <laughs> but I, I can definitely do nothing <laughs> okay but this is actually about thinking nothing if you're gonna give your anxiety a break then the mind needs to maybe not go offline, but not be loud. Like the volume needs to be down. The brightness needs to be turned down, right? What that might look like for you is taking a walk or like doing something. I don't know why I'm seeing this, but hula hooping, like doing something that is methodical and you can do it alone and doesn't make a lot of noise, but it, mm -hmm. it distracts your mind. Like, right. So a walk is in the world. Hula hooping. I don't know. Maybe you're good at that. Are you good at hula hooping? Not particularly, but that, uh, that's why I would yeah. recommend it specifically, because when you're not good at something, it gives your brain something to right. chew on a little like um, counting backwards instead of counting forwards, because it's not the usual. Exactly. Way you do it. Exactly. And mm -hmm. honestly, that works too. count backwards, staring at a wall and see if that distracts your mind. OK, do you ever have a dog or hang out with dogs? Yeah, sometimes. OK. Some dogs are anxious and what people will often do for their anxious dogs is give them something to chew on literally. So they stop like biting their tail or something. What you I'm talking it. about. Yeah. I just want I you need to, to, chew to chew on, on. things. Yes. Giving your mind something to chew on. That's not a narrative because those narratives are not bad. But when we're talking about taking a break or coping with this kind of anxiety around checking in with the body, what happens is your mind is doing this very high functioning interrupting and it's very effective. It's effective at making you feel better, but it's also effective at keeping you stuck in this place with your anxiety and with your body. And so if we give your mind a bone to chew on, so that might be like, listen to music, mm. you know, that might distract your narrative maker and give you a little bit of pause so that you can be in your body more. That I will work. say that I, I think I'll have a playlist for that because there's definitely some music that totally feeds into my like depression spiral. Like, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. then some that, some that doesn't? Some that doesn't. Yeah. A lot of instrumental stuff. Yeah. Okay. 
I would say make a few playlists so that you don't get bored of any one and it's not too predictable. I would also say sometimes listen to those playlists straight, sometimes put them on shuffle because when things are too predictable, you're too smart. So you outsmart yourself. Consistency is good until it isn't for you. And so, oh, yeah. yeah, so fuck with it. I also think that for you, because of that Saturn placement, if this works for you, you might make playlists for friends and like get inspired to do shit like that, which will only empower you to go further with it because service is part of your love language. It's yeah. just about making sure that if service is part of your love language, you are being of service to yourself because if you're not, then you're not loving on yourself, which will yeah. of course lead to greater kind of difficulty in tapping into the body. Now, hold please, because I want to get, get in there a little bit more. Bear with me. When you're tapping into your bones or if there's a moment in your life where you're tapping into, your, you're trying to tap into your body, what I want to be really firm with you about is you do not need to stay for very long because part of what's happening is you're pressuring yourself to access your system and stay and 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 like fix the problem and that's not helping what helps is building up trust within your system so that you practice tapping into your body and actually feeling it for 30 seconds and then it shifts into anxiety so you say okay say it intentionally in your head I'm starting to feel anxious and I'm giving myself permission to pull out. Great. Yeah, so it's not I'm not giving up. Away. <laughs> you're not giving up. You're not running away. You're like, okay, this is starting to feel unsafe. So I'm pulling out. And if you can make it 30 seconds, that's great information. Because if you keep on doing that over the course of months, eventually your 30 seconds will sometimes become 90 seconds, you know, and your 90 seconds can become five minutes or not. And I want to say this is like a many years long process. You don't need to get it right right now. And it doesn't need to be long periods of time. You want to evade that puritanical thing because, yes, Saturn's a drill sergeant and looking for perfection. But your south node conjunction to Neptune can get you into really puritanical modes of thinking that are antithetical to your spiritual development. It's just never going to flow for you. So when yeah. you find yourself being too purist, you know you've lost the thread. And when you've lost the thread, okay, that means you want to like shift gears. And that can look a bazillion different ways depending on what's going on. But what it isn't is forcing yourself even when it doesn't feel safe. Yeah. That's what that's you, it. That's what you don't want to do. And it's and, come up for me so much in different parts of life where trusting myself has always worked out. Like if I look at the evidence, I'm like, wow, that always works. But for some reason, I still have this core belief of like, oh no, not trusting myself. <laughs> like it's really hard. I think, you know, some of it honestly is, is time. I don't think there are many people your age that like trust themselves because how could you, you haven't had enough experience yet, right? Enough experience completely independently. You know, I think like sociologically we could say that, but also as an astrologer, before the Saturn return, which you are many years away from, you know, in your 20s, you're in the adult years of your youth, but you're in your youth. You're still. Is it, yes. Is it weird that I'm excited for my Saturn return? No, no, it's not weird. <laughs> okay. I think everyone should be excited for their Saturn return. Some people fear it, but the Saturn return, the transit itself can be quite stressful, but it's such a relief to step into adulthood. I'm such a fan of it because you finally have enough lived experience that you know yourself, not theoretically, <laughs> but you know yourself. And that is such a gift. And 
uh, you know, it's not a gift that everyone lives long enough to experience. So I think it's great to be excited. And I think that for you, bear with me. I see. You know, breathwork does work for you sometimes, right? Am it I does. It yeah, it, it does. does. And there's this rebellious layer of me that's like, no, no, I, I don't want to do it. But then if I can trick myself into doing it <laughs> without yeah. the, the mental protest, then I, it, it does work. Yeah, I do see that it does work. It's like you've learned a, a system and I think that you've burnt out on that system. And there yeah. are a bazillion systems with breathwork you can even innovate your own. Like you can find that you create a playlist and one of those songs, when you breathe with the bass, you're like, oh, that feels good. Boom, breath work. I have a playlist that's uh, songs that start with an in-breath. <laughs> and it's just really? like the, the artist starts the song by taking a deep breath. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's strange that so many artists do that. Like there's a lot of songs on that playlist. Well, first of all, that's ingenious and is a really good thing for you. Do you sing ever? I used to, but now with my voice changing, I haven't relearned really how to sing it. I was in a choir and I, I was confident in my voice. And now it's like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> I wonder if it would be a good thing for you to practice singing. The process of singing is the process in part of working with breath. It's a way of developing a more playful and less like Saturnian fatalistic approach to fucking yeah. with your breath and your Absolutely. voice. Yeah, because for me, ever since like lockdown started, the first lockdown, I was like, okay, should I just go to a monastery? Like, should I just get my shit together and be extremely disciplined and just knock everything out <laughs> and breathe? The answer is <laughs> the answer is no, right? You you figured that out that the answer is no. Oh, uh, I'd like to tempt myself with it sometimes, but I think if it was going to work, I would have done it already. Yeah. So, so let me speak to that real briefly here. The Neptune square to Mars, uh, a very common thing under this transit is I want to escape all things related to my body and reality. And a monastery is a great place for that. It would actually be really great if you could do something like that, you know, a weekend a month or like for two weeks at some point, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To like actually relocate. No, mm, no, I would say no <laughs> for you. It would just be taking an extreme move away from your stresses. And all you do is find new ways of organizing those exact same stresses. So, yeah. And for me, it feels almost like I'm trying to like conversion therapy myself. In yes. a way. That said, the impulse to go someplace quiet where the daily kind of grind is taken from you because meals are provided, you know, structures provided. That's not a bad impulse. It doesn't need to be, you know, seven days a week. <laughs> it doesn't need to be a forever commitment. <laughs> but I do think that that part is like your system is yearning for a damn break. It's certainly worth exploring because there's a part of this impulse that is escapist. There's a part of this impulse that is a bit extreme, but there's a part of this impulse that is perfectly wise. And so we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, which is a bit of your habits at this point. There is a value in being like, okay, the fact that I want to go off to a monastery is really clear information that I need a break, that I would like more structure that I don't need to maintain. Okay, that's that's good information. It doesn't mean therefore go to the monastery, but that's information that as a good buddy to yourself, you could practice using. And that might mean certain things in your life that you know are very stressful, but have to be done. Kind of seeing how can I plan in, in advance to make those things a little more automated? Um, like if you have a hard time maintaining your schedule, can you just you know, put alarms in your phone to be like, okay, I have to get ready to do this thing in an hour. 
And I think that's been part of my tussle. I don't know if it's a sixth house kind of tussle, but my daily schedule, I either do everything or I have a day where I'm like, oh, well, it's 10 a.m. and the day's ruined. Guess I'm doing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then I managed to catch up. So I've never been like reprimanded for this habit because I am someone who, if I push myself, I can do anything. And I get the things handed in on time. Like I'm at university. I've got these great grades, but then I'm like, I have no idea what's going on because I don't show up to half the classes or like it's it's but it's fine some things that are technically a problem on paper good to note but is it actually a problem or are you just following your natural cycles some parts of it get a bit sharp like I think when you mentioned a place where meals are provided I can honestly say my ability to feed myself is at a point where I'm probably not feeding myself enough and then there's other parts of it that are like, oh, who cares if I'm five minutes late for a meeting or like, what, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The five minutes late for a meeting, some people care, some people don't. Sometimes it's a big deal. Sometimes it's not, right? It's mm-hmm. situation specific. In terms of feeding yourself, that is often an issue with moon in the 12th house people. Remembering to do it, prioritizing it, <laughs> wanting to do it, finding ways that are like self-appropriate to do it can feel really like out of reach, um, which is part of why monastery is so delightful because it's like, you don't get to pick, you don't get to worry about it. You know, it just kind of happens. And so what I think would be easiest for you is once a week, if you're really comfortable with your flatmate, you might want to do it with them, or you might want to do it with another friend, just bulk cook, big, healthy things that aren't completely Mm -hmm. boring and annoying to you throw them in jars, and then carry them with you. Making your life easy is the key here. For you, if you did it with a buddy, you would do it because you would be helping them take care of themselves. That's your fucking thing, right? So let me just slow down and check in. You've asked this kind of core question. Do you feel like I've answered it? Do you have any other questions around it? Do you want me to kind of get more into any particular piece? No, you've given me really practical advice. Thank you so much. And um, because I'm opportunistic, I will say that the other big thing around this Saturn uh, Uranus square, around the time that the pandemic started, lockdown started, I had like a breakup with someone who meant like a lot to me. And it was like a very complex, like intertwined queer friendship from high school that became Mm. this weird romance. And I think the part of me that I'm scared of returning to is so wrapped up in that stuff and is so fused to that situation and doesn't want to let go of it. And Mm. I've been sort of bullying myself to get over that. I think I've made progress. You know, I'm not, you know, a wreck about it anymore, but I was wondering if with your skills, you can shed light on that situation on how to healthily process it instead of forcing myself to get over that. What's there, her or there? Yeah, her Her name. name. What do you actually call her? Okay. You're not friends anymore? Oh, <laughs> I did this really Scorpio thing and totally cut her out of my life. <laughs> Even though I desperately wanted to talk to her every day. Like I realized how much she meant to me. It terrified me and it was the wrong timing because she was going through grief. She was going through some huge, she just didn't have any time like, yeah. for whatever this was. And I thought to myself, do I really want to be the person who's constantly needing more than someone can offer? Or do I just want to run away? Mm -hmm. Um, Those are my two options that I offered myself. It was a bit of a fairy tale chasing waterfall situation. She was your bestie, right? Maybe not your only bestie. My my confidant. Yeah. Yeah. Years and years. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're both 
very heartbroken over the loss of the friendship. So yeah. separate from any romance uh, or judge the two of you had, it's... We could just see each other. It was so refreshing to be seen, I feel. Yeah. Having known each other so long, I mean, just there's something really very, very beautiful about your friendship. And yeah. I don't know that if you went to her and said, hey, listen, I was trying to protect myself. I miss you. I don't, I think I may be overcorrected, but also it was the best I could do. I don't know if we can be friends, but I would like to try. Um, if you said all those things and she was like, yay, let's try to be friends. It, you might be like, no, I did the right thing. I, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I can see that. <laughs> it's a kind of worms. It's, it's, you, you do have a romantic connection and she's still not available. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. And and that doesn't look like that'll be different. And I think that if the two of you have your magical friendship vibes again, then the chemistry between you gets activated. And it's not one sided. It's not like she doesn't feel chemistry towards you. She does. And that's what fucks you up because you're picking. That, up. That's the problem is yeah. that it's it's realistic enough, but mm -hmm. it's still not. Yep. Yep. She, <laughs> yeah. she definitely has vibes with you. And then you pick up on them and you run with them like a normal person would. Like, of course you would. I mean, yes. Our breakup can... was the weirdest thing because it was like she went from hundred back to zero, and then I was like, "Did I imagine we were at 100? Um no you, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. And, and this yeah. is how she is. Like, if you've been friends with her for enough years. This is her coping mechanism. It's, she's right? done this with other people. Yeah. Yes, friends, lovers. It doesn't matter because she's doing it with herself. That's what this is about. This is a problem she has with herself, and that's why I'm not sure that changing an approach would actually give you a different outcome. That level of comfort that you had with her, you don't actually have with yourself. If there's a hope of the two of you having something different one day, yeah, it has something to do with you being in different relationship to yourself and her being in different relationship to herself. And you have no control over the her part, but you have a lot of control over the you part. That yeah. said, I do think on some level you've pathologized mourning the loss of this like you've somehow convinced it's become yourself... foundational for me it's become like my staple <laughs> it's really interesting i think that you are mourning the friendship more than the romance at this stage i think it was different before but i'm really seeing this like the thing that you're mourning the most is this comfort and this like somebody who knows you that well and somebody who you know that well she completely knows you and when you guys started to hook up everything got changed you know that's the it, risk it, it didn't feel good anymore mm -hmm. and that's why it was so weird mourning this relationship because it was like it wasn't healthy we realized that pretty yeah. quickly yeah but then yeah just sort of free fall from there it's like well what what then like then what <laughs> and that's and that's always the risk with hooking up with a friend eh? it's like you had a really good friendship you had really good chemistry and neither of you were ready to get married and it was kind of the only thing this relationship could be and so you both... always yeah. yeah and we knew that like we knew that before even thinking about it there's certainly every reason to expect there to be that possibility down the road if you both do your work on yourself um and time passes and you both date other people um yeah. i do think you know you could get back together but you both need to date other people and i don't think you need to be dating anyone right now um no. <laughs> great but it's not like i'm saying like oh go out and date people but i am seeing that anchoring your self through others robs you of your own wellness and it's the quickest easiest way of doing it 
but it's a Band-Aid on a bullet wound, right? So it doesn't actually work. It works in the short term. But through our Mm -hmm. conversation, we've discussed various ways that you've got effective coping mechanisms for the very short term, and they don't help you in the big picture. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. the theme, right? It's like one of the themes that's emerged here, which I want to say is, I would say, the most normal thing in the world for your age. So don't beat yourself up about it. But neither of you could anchor yourselves through the other when it was a romantic sexual relationship anymore. When it was romantic platonic, you could. But when it was romantic sexual, you you lost that being safe anymore. And it's not a safe territory in either of us. Like we exactly. still have a lot of work in that area to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And also you knew each other too well. So you couldn't fake <laughs> it or disassociate because the other person's like, I fucking know you. What are you doing right now? It just didn't work. That said, I do think you're going to have love. I do think that you, if you choose to have partnership, you will have partnership. I don't know if you want kids. If you decide you want them, you can have them. You know, I I see that you have a lot of options. And if you motivate yourself through scarcity of options, you are not going to win the trust of your inner self because that's not true. You can have what you want. Maybe not now, but you can have what you want. You're not ready for any of those things now. So you don't really want those things now. It was one of the things she has this thing where she wants kids by the time she's 35, like Mm. hard line. It has to happen. No compromise. And um, I don't I don't think I want that. I know I'd be a really good parent, but I think I would be an exhausted parent. Nothing in your chart says to me that you feel the need to have kids. I would love to see it, but it wouldn't be for me. Like I, I wouldn't be having kids for me, for sure. Then don't have kids. I think it's really valuable to know yourself. And when somebody is exceptionally clear that they want children and you're clear that you don't um, and you're not exceptionally clear, but you're clear, right? You know, there's like a kind of a short list for me of things that cannot be compromised in a relationship that's on the list and it's high on the list for me. And so that's not a reason to not date her in your early twenties, but (laughs) it is a reason to understand that while you have this like soulmate style union, that doesn't mean that it needs to become a material partnership because this is the thing about soulmates is the reason why we call them soulmates is because it's on the soul level, not the material level. That's just a mate. And I don't know that she's well suited to being a mate for you. And Mm -mm, she doesn't need to be, but the two of you are two the same in this way. You're like, we're in love. That means it's forever. And it's for now. And we must be all the things. Yeah. You see us just wrapping chains around ourselves and jumping exactly. into the ocean. Like exactly. very much. Exactly. And to what end, right? Like it doesn't make either of you happy. Neither of you even want it, but it's your coping mechanism. It's very good for writing pop music. Um, yeah. That's the staple of this connection. Yes, that's good. Torture for art. Yeah. Beautiful. I know that your love life is complex. Uh, in your head a lot of times and in life, I'm sure a lot of times, but your most important issue that I, I can really affirm to you, it's developing a relationship with yourself. It's not vilifying your bones because your bones want more love and care. You know, that's, yeah. that can't be done through relationship with romance. I mean, it can be done while you're in a romantic relationship, but it can't be done through another person. That's about building a relationship with yourself, becoming a friend to yourself. And 
you're right on time. You are not behind schedule. I know I've said this before, <laughs> but I feel like I need to keep reiterating it for you because yeah. it, it's a like part of the narrative when you're in an activated state is I shouldn't be here. And why is this happening again? And like a lot of, again, bullying of yourself. And yeah, stupid, stupid. Cetera, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's Saturn. Again, you're like Saturn yeah. stuff. And, you know, you might want to do some research into Saturn. You know what? There is this living myth. So it's uh, part of Vedic astrology. So it's not Western astrology like I practice. It's called The Greatness of Saturn. And this is a book that is, it's a living myth in that when you read it, there's like a whole ritual around how you read it and when you read it. And it activates a spiritual like unfolding. Um, wow. It's really magical. I would encourage you to look into that book, play with it. And if your system says, no, I don't want to fucking read this thing, don't read it and if your system says huh i want to experiment with this i'm really interested in this follow the energy that might support you in your journey but in the meantime tiny 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 bite-sized pieces tiny 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 bite-sized pieces that's the move right and it's about taking a slightly more playful and sustainable approach to tolerating embodiment and building from there in doing that, you will achieve what you want to achieve. You know, let's not forget, my friend, you have Jupiter in the sixth house. So for all the shit that we've been talking about and dealing with, we haven't talked about the fact that you have Jupiter in the sixth house. That is the planet that tells me that if you find ways of being associated and you invest in them, you will and you will enjoy it. Jupiter in the sixth house. And that won't make all the other difficult things that we've talked about magically go away. But you have this resource. Jupiter in the sixth house gives you a strong, reliable body. And when you kind of like work through the other parts of your chart that articulate the difficulties of being present with your body, once you find a way to be present, you'll find that you quite enjoy your body that you like your body. And even when, you know, you're a human in the world, so you have body issues. Um, and you know, all the complexities and particulars of your identities and your lived experience, all that aside, Jupiter in the sixth house is a lovely placement because it's like, huh, this is my home. That is a beautiful thing. And if you can access like that for 20 seconds, once every three months, that is a Hmm. fucking win. And that over the course of time will only bloom, you know, it'll just keep on blooming for you. So that Jupiter in the sixth house will never go away. It'll never go away. So if it takes you 12 years to to really feel it and be like, oh shit, I have Jupiter in my sixth house. Great, whatever. It takes as long as it takes. You don't want to rush yourself, but just remember that it's there. And it is square to Neptune, which <laughs> basically means that you can disassociate off because if it's not perfect, I don't. it's not enough. But This is why I'm like bite-sized pieces, build trust with yourself because from there, you won't have to be so puritanical. And when you're not being puritanical, you can enjoy where you're at and what you got. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a beautiful thing. It's it. And it's a process, you know, again, you'll get there when you're there for as long as you can tolerate it. And that's good. I mean, it's good. (laughs) So it's been such a joy to talk to you. Did we hit all the major stuff? Absolutely. 100%, 120. I'm so lucky and glad and happy that I got to meet you. Um, I have your book. I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning. And oh, I'm just, oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, it is so my pleasure. And 
thank you for all of that. And it's it's really, (laughs) truly a joy meeting you. All right. I'll talk to you next time then. Hey, save the date on September 3rd at 11 a.m. Pacific time. I am teaching a class on sex and sexuality in astrology. Tickets go on sale August 15th. So check out my website after the 15th. And for now, just save the date. Well, I mean, it surely seems like the astrological prediction that we would have intense weather has borne itself to be correct. This is a really intense period, my dears. And of course, we have really intense astrology to back it up. So let's get into your horoscope in a minute. But first, I want to acknowledge how intense things are and how that is going to land so differently for different people, right? You may be a person who disassociates. You may be a person who's like hyper associated and there's a bazillion things in between. But I think it's important to acknowledge that there is an unprecedented amount of very intense things happening. I mean, sure, there's precedent. I shouldn't say unprecedented, but unprecedented for quite some time. If you are feeling particularly anxious or restless or depressive or just like in la la land, really disassociated, there's so many ways this can play out. I want to just remind you that there is like a larger context to what you're going through as an individual. And I find that it can be really reassuring to remember that you're not in it alone and that your individual experience is part of a collective experience. And I don't know, to me, that's very empowering. And it's also just real. Now, we've been talking about this Uranus transit through Taurus and in particular, how it has been squaring Saturn. And more recently, how we've had the Uranus-Mars-North Node conjunction which as you're hearing this right now is just out of orb. But as I mentioned in a recent podcast episode, that Uranus North Node conjunction really was the start of approximately 15 year long cycle. And it's an important cycle for us to note because it started off pretty intense. I want to kind of bring your attention to how much of this transit of Uranus and Taurus is about values and individuality, who we value and how we express and experience that value is really important. And and that is related to the zodiac sign of Taurus. But when we look at the planet Uranus, it is related to many things, including very much individuality and individualism. It's important for us to acknowledge that there's so much going on that is bringing up those themes and that is reiterating kind of our collective values as a society or as societies around those themes. And a big way that that's playing out is through the not one, not two, but it seems like maybe three pandemics that are playing themselves out here in the US and, you know, I'm sure many more in different regions of the world uh, at different times. But okay, when we consider what a pandemic is, it is something that is spread through community contact, right? And that means that we as individual and collective community members have the opportunity uh, to protect each other through our choices or not. And so it is 
really important to understand the astrological context, which we can actually apply several astrological contexts. One of the major collective lessons we are learning right now is how we care for each other, how we place people over profit or profit over people, how we place our own individual comforts and pleasures over the care for others or flip that, right? It's ultimately how we care for each other, how we value each other and how quickly we are willing to abandon our values when things go sideways for us, when things become inconvenient or unpleasant for us. And that, those are themes that I want to really encourage you to be considering as you move through the world, as you make your own personal decisions, uh, and also as you understand what's happening socially, politically around us, right? These are themes that are impacting us all globally right now. And we are going in a pretty scary direction here in the U.S. Uh, where individualism is absolutely pointed in a pretty toxic direction where we're placing individual comforts above community wellness. And, and that's a problem. It's not new here, but it is, it is a problem and it's a present problem. Now, another really important thing to keep in mind uh, through this Uranus and Taurus uh, conjunct the North Node, etc. moment and when I say moment, it's a 15 year cycle that just began. And also, you know, Uranus is only in the middle of its move through the zodiac sign of Taurus. So we've got some time left in this thing. But the thing to keep in mind is that it is incumbent upon us as people of conscience to not dehumanize others, right? Be wary of any kind of instinct you may have or any, uh, you know, anything you're hearing from other people or seeing from other people that empowers us to dehumanize any group of people. We are seeing a really intense spike in homophobia and transphobia, racism, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, ableism, classism. I mean, the list unfortunately goes on. And the dehumanization of any group for any reason is a really bad sign for your soul, right? It's a really bad sign for any society. As we are living through a rise in violent, patriarchal, white Christian nationalist individualism, it will kind of bleed into many other things and many people's ideologies that are much less, uh, you know, radical than all that. And again, it becomes incumbent upon us as individuals and communities to act in ways that reflect care for others, empathy. We must be building community IRL and online. And within that, keep in mind what we know, but also have been learning in the past week very intensely with Facebook turning over messages to police that if your community contacts exist exclusively or majoritively on social media, that these platforms are not safe and private. So greater consideration is needed there. And on that tip, if you don't use Signal to message with people, now is a great time to start. 
the good news of this is, is that this particular transit is an opportunity for communities to come together in ways that reflect values to create progressive change. And we can see the advancements uh, of many causes that are very important for the planet and for the humans and animals and, and life living on it. But it does take the willingness to change, to do things differently. Whenever we're dealing with Uranus, we are being called upon to kind of perceive things from a different perspective, right? To shift our perspective. Because when you shift your perspective, there's a whole new set of options that can become clear to you or become, you know, things that you're aware of. And so as much as this is a very trying time, and it is a trying time, there's so much opportunity for personal evolution and for creating progress. But it does require this very Uranian, Aquarian coming together. And for us to do that in ways that reflect not just our individual values, but the value that is inherent in people, in the planet, right? And all that live here, all us, all us animals with and without fur, feathers, you know, whatever, scales, all of us, you know, we, we, we have some dignity here. The last thing I want to say before we go deep into your horoscope is the kind of big picture of the astrology of this month, of this moment is meant to be activating, right? So I, you know, I didn't write the rules. I'm just reporting on them, BT depths, but it's, it's activating. And within that, some people will experience irritation, agitation, frustration, anger. And some people will go to the flip side of that, which is, you know, kind of like it's on the same coin, but it's the other side, which is demoralization, helplessness, exhaustion, martyry feelings. We are likely to be triggered. And when we're triggered, we have our own ways of processing emotion as individuals, right? And what I want to encourage you to do is to consider what you're feeling, how you're responding to your reactions. And if you can, to investigate those reactions instead of uh, quickly respond to them. Because by understanding your own emotions, what triggers them, and whether or not they're kind of like distractions from what's actually happening within you, or old patterns and habits around how you react to things instead of a reflection of all the work you've done on yourself or whatever it is. Uh, this stuff can be really helpful. It can be really helpful for your personal evolution as an individual. But also it can be helpful for you locating yourself within this current time and finding a way to participate in the world that, that works whether it's, you know, your work, your family, uh, political activism, all of the above, none of the above, whatever, right? It's finding yourself and being aware that you can't control how you feel. You can't control what other people do or the circumstances that you're living in. Generally, I mean, sometimes we can, but generally, right? But what we do have some control over is how we respond to our circumstances, how we respond to our emotions. And that kind of emotional maturity uh, will make your life a lot easier to bear and also make your actions more effective. Okay, now all that said, my loves, let's get into your horoscope. This week we are looking at 
August 14th through the 20th of 2022. And this week starts and ends with the two kind of more challenging transits. Um, But in the middle, we got some sweet stuff. So let's go. On the 14th, we've got two exact transits. The first one is a sun opposition to Saturn. And the other is a Mars trine to Pluto. The sun opposition to Saturn is an unpleasant transit because what it does is it takes our essential energies and our vitality, the sun, and it puts it at odds with our sense of scarcity, uh, our sense of reality, obligation, uh, whether we failed or not, what other people think of us or not. And so it can land many people feeling a sense of a lack feeling depressive, feeling lonely, just like you're kind of dragging yourself around. You may encounter some sort of restrictions or limitations that are very material and very real. And you also may just feel blocked. You may just feel really bad about the pre-existing limitations in your life. Anything that kind of uh, takes extra steps or in any way blocks your progress may feel like a real hardship. And so, you know, the the issue here is how do you cope? And because it's an opposition, there is a risk that we will project our shit out onto other people. So it's not my fault. It's the system or which I mean, hey, maybe it is. It's not my fault. It's my boss. And again, hey, maybe it is. But what that can do is it can distract from taking responsibility for what you need to do or what you have done right? So you want to watch out for that. You may also be, uh, unfortunately, the victim of someone else projecting their shit out onto you. And in particular, somebody projecting their feeling that you are the reason why they are struggling in some way. Self-expression can feel stilted or limited and hard under this transit because, again, the sun is related to self-expression and identity and Saturn is about constriction. And, uh, you know, Saturn's a real wintertime planet and the sun is really a summertime vibe. So the risk is that we have low self-esteem, that we feel shitty about ourselves or we feel shitty about our circumstances. And luckily, this transit is a three day long transit. It's, you know, it's exact on the 14th. You feel it the day before, the day after. But it still can kind of be a bit of a doozy. The key here is to do your best. I know that sounds like too simple, but seriously, Saturn wants us to work hard. And so it is really essential that we work hard on ourselves and to the best of your ability, rise to the occasion, you know, do what needs to be done. And that might look like actually laboring in some way, Saturn. And it may look like working on your relationship to self-talk, right? It may look like managing your own thoughts and feelings differently. Generally, when the sun is opposite Saturn, we do have to deal with something that requires methodical something, an approach. Uh, You might need to like go back over your work. You might need to, you might just be moving really slow and it is what it is. So be willing to learn, be willing to work hard. And if you find yourself getting kind of lost in negativity or scarcity, Okay, well, that's probably Saturn activated in your chart. And there's something to be gained from it. And that thing is greater self-awareness about where you're vulnerable 
And therefore, what needs greater care and support in your life or in you, right? So these difficult transits don't occur to torture us. um, And they're not like meant as a value judgment on us where we're at in our lives or what we've done so far. Instead, they're kind of like progress reports. They're like, Maybe your computer isn't functioning optimally because you haven't done the last few downloads. Okay, cool. Do the downloads. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Just do the damn downloads. That's what these transits are here to do. They're here to remind us to uh, maintain our hardware, our software. I don't know. My technology metaphors are weak, but I'm trying to work with them. You know what I mean? Now, on the same date, we have a Mars trine to Pluto. Now, this Mars trine to Pluto is a real gift alongside the sun opposition to Saturn because Mars trying to Pluto is fortifying. It can strengthen your physical body, your your experience of your physical energy. It can intensify your ability and willingness to regenerate, to recuperate, to bounce back, which is really needed in the context of the sun opposition to Saturn, but also the whole fucking world and all the transits of the world right now. The Mars trying to Pluto is emboldening. It can support us in being forthright, in following through, and being brave. It's also a really sexy transit. Now, unfortunately, sun opposite Saturn is super not sexy. Uh, It has you feeling like bloated, literally, like it can make you feel bloated. But Mars trying to Pluto is super sexy. It's like passionate and excited. And so the combo platter may bring us to a little bit more of a neutral ground in some ways, or it can get you in situations where you feel really enthusiastic about something or someone, but maybe don't have the energy to follow through in this moment. And so you need to pace yourself again. Hello, Saturn. Or uh, you need to kind of work on yourself. You need to like apply lessons that you've been learning in order to show up in a situation that it would be kind of tempting or easy for you to uh, shrink or go small in. But instead, you kind of activate from that Mars Pluto vibe. And you're like, I'm going to actually just like fake it till I make it or I'm just going to show up in X way uh, and, and see how that goes. Now, luckily, We have another trying to talk about, we have a few others, but we have another trying to talk about that will overlap with the Mars trying to Pluto and the sun opposite Saturn. And that, my friends, is a Mercury trying to Uranus. That will be exact on the 16th. And let me tell you what it means. This transit opens your mind to new perspectives and new possibilities. It also can open the door for you meeting new people or having conversations with folks that are different than the kinds of conversations you typically have or different kinds of people. When Uranus and Mercury meet up, we often have uh, unexpected social interactions. We often have different kinds of connections and communications than we're used to. And that can be really exciting and it can have a broadening effect on our thinking and therefore our overall perspective. Again, this is wonderful in the context of the Sun-Saturn opposition. However, the Sun-Saturn opposition is no longer active on the 16th. But we will be feeling this Mercury transit uh, on the 14th and 15th when it is active. If you're more on the woo tip, uh, this transit can coincide with 
flashes of insight. So you may have stronger intuition, you may notice more synchronicities, that kind of stuff. So it's definitely something worth paying attention to, especially if this particular transit hits your chart directly. And this transit is happening at 19 degrees. Mercury is at 19 degrees of Virgo and Uranus is at 19 degrees of Taurus. But overall, it is a really lovely transit. Now on the 18th, we have another beautiful trine. And this one is between Venus and Jupiter, both in fire signs. And uh, Venus is at eight degrees of Leo and Jupiter is at eight degrees of Aries. As always, if you want to be following along and knowing exactly where all of the planets are, I encourage you to check out Astrology for Days over at astrologyfordays.com. It is my web-based transit tracking tool for uh, astrology students and pros alike. Check it out. It's cute. It's accurate. It's simple. I'm a huge fan. Anyways, uh, Venus trying to Jupiter is a beautiful transit. And happily, it doesn't overlap with anything too heavy. Venus trying to Jupiter is a wonderful transit for spreading the love around. Uh, This is a great time for getting your flirt on for first dates, honestly, for 20th dates. Like this is just a great transit for like and love and sensual connection and flirting and all that kind of fun, yummy stuff. It's also a really great transit for letting someone know that you love them. So if you've been having discord in a relationship, this is a good date. And right around this date is a good time to connect and try to achieve some level of healing because both Venus and Jupiter are really good for that. This transit is really supportive for socializing and flirting and hooking up. Venus is not related to fornication, but it is related to all manner of sensual connection, right? Which is a big part of sex, not exclusive to sex. Uh, So this is a really great transit for all that. Venus trying to Jupiter is also good for clarifying and acting from a place that reflects your values. Because again, Venus governs values and Jupiter is the big picture thinker of the Zodiac. And so, you know, if you are trying to make decisions, if you've been struggling to figure things out, uh, considering and aligning yourself with your values is a really effective thing to do. This is not per se a great transit for, you know, big picture planning. It's just kind of too fun to waste on big picture planning for a lot of people. But if you need to make choices, a good way of going about it is aligning with your values. And this transit is excellent, excellent for that. It's also good for, you know, blowing large amounts of money. I don't necessarily recommend it, though there's no negative indicators associated with this transit. It's just, you know, Uh, I I know that a lot of people will try to buy happy and that can be pretty expensive and not very effective. So it's, you know, something to look out for, especially if that's like a pre-existing thing you struggle with. This is definitely a transit that reminds us that we catch a lot more flies with honey than vinegar, as the saying goes. So, you know, spread the love around, however that looks for you, you know. And that brings us to the 20th, the end of the week. And The thing that is happening here on the 20th is a step into a Mercury retro shade. That's right. Mercury retro shade, not Mercury retrograde. 
On September 10th, Mercury will go retrograde, but on August 20th, uh, it will be in its retro shade phase. And in this phase, things start to wonkify. Yeah. I said wonkify. Uh, it's not the same as a Mercury retrograde. You can still sign your contracts. You can still make your plans. It's not like the ideal time to do those things, but it's not ill-advised in the same way that it is during a Mercury retrograde. Retrogrades, as you remember, are when we follow the rule of re's. We reflect, we reassess, we uh reconvene at a later date. But in the retro shade, we're not yet following the rule of Rees. You don't yet need to worry about the rule of Rees. But you may start to notice miscommunications happen. You may start to notice technology gets wonky, that kind of stuff. And I tend to find, not always, but generally, uh, the more choppy the waters of the retro shade, the more choppy the waters of the retrograde. So it kind of gives you a sense of what you can expect personally from the upcoming retrograde. So it's something to watch out for. And also, if you know you need to get yourself a new phone, a new computer, any kind of communication device, any kind of big uh, contract or purchase uh, is imminent in your future, try to get that shit done before September 10th or after October 2nd, okay? On this same date, we're going to start to really feel the Mercury opposition to Neptune that will be exact on the 21st. So that will be covered in next week's horoscope. But I want to give you a sense of it now because you're going to be feeling it now on the 20th, maybe the, maybe the 19th, but certainly the 20th. And this transit Mercury opposition to Neptune kicks off a lot of anxiety. That's what it does. So uh, it can confuse your thinking or make you feel really overwhelmed, anxious, that kind of stuff. So if you're starting to feel that way, if you're starting to experience a great deal of anxiety, it's, you know, not reliably the retro shade. But also, I want to give you advice for it, which is to simplify right? When we're dealing with a lot of Neptunian energies, the kind of work is always to simplify things. And so if you've got like a million things on your to-do list anywhere around the 21st, a few days before and after, uh, yeah, I would try to shrink that into smaller bite-sized pieces. It'll probably help you. If you're finding yourself obsessing on a million things that are out of your control, that are happening in the world, and it's setting you into a tailspin or a state of overwhelm, then okay, it's time to pull yourself back and return to those thoughts when you're better equipped. And under a Mercury opposition to Neptune, yeah, it's not the time we're, we're best equipped, unfortunately. So I just wanted to give you a heads up on that. I will talk about it in greater detail in next week's horoscope. And of course, if you're like, uh, I don't want to wait that long, you can always join me over on Patreon, join me on the kittens level and listen to the bonus episode of Ghost of a Podcast where you can hear the month ahead horoscope every day a month dropped on the first. But you can hear more about this particular transit and the astrology of the rest of the month. Now, my loves, I want to thank you for joining me for another week of Ghost and if you get value from this podcast, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to it. And if you love the podcast, consider writing a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, it is greatly appreciated. If you would like to get a reading on the show with me, go ahead and send me a question through my website. It's always linked in show notes. It's at ghostofapodcast.com. Okay, wear a mask in public spaces as we live through these these here pandemics. Uh, take care of yourself and others, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.
say the end is near.